Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You, um, you wanted me to run this game, but, um, boy, it's really not my, um, it's not really in my wheelhouse, but, uh, for you, I would run anything. So, um, you want to play? Yeah. This is the best Valentine's Day present ever. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts who was hit by Cupid's arrow so long ago, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. You look at you being all cute. I don't have a I don't have a response for that one. I feel like you might have also been hit with Cupid's yeah, arrow. I think so. Out on a walk one afternoon. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> anyway, if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, happy Valentine's Day 2024. Hopefully you are having a good day, whether you celebrate it or not. Or celebrate it with yourself, man. Yeah. Like, it's cool. Yeah. You don't need you don't need a partner to love someone. It's just true. saying. Also, get yourself some chocolate. It's, yeah, get it's some half price chocolate day tomorrow. So, like... Hit up the Get hub. On that. Like, you know, just <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about whether you're partnered up or not. Valentine's Day is about loving someone. So you can love yourself. Good. Glad we okay. got that that cleared up. <laughs> anyway, well, I don't want people to feel left no. out or anything. And well, you that's know, the problem all, with Valentine's Day. Well, so we fuck it. Make your own, man. Path. Like just it's like you don't need people to celebrate your birthday. Like, it's nice if they do, but fuck it. Celebrate your birthday yourself. Yep. I do. Yep. Anyway, that's not even <laughs> remotely what we're talking about. I mean, maybe um, kind of. So a our, little. our topic for today comes from Michael, uh, because when we asked for topics, actually on one of our Friday afternoon luncheons, it turned out that he had a lot stored up for us. So we're going to start tackling uh, that pretty long list with uh, this one today, which was about wish fulfillment games. Meaning when you're running a game that you're not necessarily enthusiastic about, but you want to give it to your friends because they're very excited about it. Sure. Absolutely. Um, which, so sorry if you heard the intro and thought like we were going to be playing an AP today. We're not. Yeah, we're, we're not. Actually sorry. to talk about this topic. <laughs> um, so. I was, actually, as you did the intro, I was sitting here thinking to myself, like, interesting, like, what game genre would I be into that you would not be into at all? And I was like, there probably is one. It would have to be some sort of like really niche anime thing that like I don't understand. Right. Just like just like not a known quantity. Right. Yeah. Like something I didn't watch or something like, you know, if you were like, oh, let's play like, I don't know, the Full Metal Alchemist, you know. Oh, my God. RPG, I'd be like, mm, <laughs> like I don't I'm think my heart could take it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm not even sure I think there's a Full Metal Alchemist RPG. I don't know. I, oh, I just wouldn't made surprise that me if there was. Yeah. Uh, yeah Somebody I don't probably made know. it in Savage Worlds. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Somebody Worlds made everything in it. Savage Worlds. Correct. I should, make a, I should make a Lasers and Feelings Full Metal Alchemist game. It'll be like 
metal and fe- alchemy and feelings. Alchemy and feelings. You can do the alchemy. Alchemy and tears. Oh my God. Yes. Anyway, um, no, then they, the truth is there aren't too many, um, there aren't too many things that you would have me run that would be completely out of my wheelhouse. But that's also not to say that I would be enthusiastic, like I would be super excited to run stuff because um, there are certainly genres and systems that I prefer and genres and systems that I am indifferent or dislike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, super fair. Like, for instance, I I am, even though I have run several successful ones, uh, I'm actually not a huge fantasy fan. Yeah. Um, I was, as a kid, um, I was into um, Star Trek and Star Wars before I was in, before I was exposed to Lord of the Rings. So I am very much rooted um, in sci-fi. Yes. Which I so, think is one of those places we differ. Oh, because yeah. Because my expansion was into sci-fi and I started in fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't actually have like a, um, I don't actually have like a huge passionate love for fantasy. Like I dig it enough and it's fine. And I have run um, several successful fantasy campaigns, but for the most part, um, for the most part, when I see a fantasy game, I'm mostly like, meh, until there's something about the game that catches my attention. Like the last time it happened was Forbidden Lands, where I was like, eh, another fantasy game. And then it was like, oh, there's some like really interesting travel stuff in this game. And I was like, yeah, well, I probably would check that out. And then like I got into the game once we started running it. Same thing's true. I've run Iron Heroes and I've run several D&D campaigns and stuff like that. But by and large, if my players are like, oh, like run us a fantasy game, I'm like, uh, like, all right. So that I think is the crux of it. I I don't know if that's the opposite for you. Like, I don't know if you have a genre. Um, It's interesting because um, fantasy was my onboarding both to nerddom in general and also to gaming, which made sense because it was sort of my known quantity when I was introduced to gaming. So D&D was a very logical on point for me. Of course. I'd already been reading all the novels. Um, I mean, truthfully, D&D was my on point as well, right? Like I also like I didn't know much about fantasy, but I played D&D when I was a kid. In right. fact, most of the things I knew about fantasy, I knew about from D&D, from D&D yeah. before I knew where they came from. Yes. Like, I was well aware of what a Balrog was yes. before I encountered one in Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> and then you find out where people got it from. Right. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, and I was um, definitely the opposite. I had already consumed all of that literature. Like, you know, (laughs) I had already consumed the Lord of the Rings a lot um, and then had, you know, been reading my way through the entire fantasy section of the library when they used to divide libraries by, you know, (laughs) genre, which was really convenient to be able to just browse shelves. I understand why they don't do it. It is hard to necessarily categorize books, but whatever. Anyway. So, are, um, so is there a genre or genres where you would just be like, eh, I don't know. I, I think I could name one that I know you played, but I don't think it would have been your first choice under any circumstances. And it is one of my stronger. Yeah, I was going to say actually cartel. Narcofiction. Um, narco-fiction. Yes. And that's and it's interesting because I am totally happy to play it, but not sure that I would do it particularly in genre, right? Because I, I'm i not sure. 
that I can do it without turning it into a soap opera. <laughs> I have, I have, cons- so here's the thing, right? There's a part of, there's a part of narco fiction that always winds up as part of a, a soap opera because yeah, the, the drama um, levels are so high. The, the well, the drama levels are, are high, high because, right. But, you know, like I have like, you know, I have consumed a large amount of narco fiction yes. on Netflix from yes. the narco series to uh, documentaries about, you know, the 80s cocaine traffickers and things like, like I have watched a whole bunch of that stuff, like very rooted, whereas you like that would not be a very strong one for you. No. And 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 maybe this is an interesting part of the topic, right? It's not a strong one for me because I haven't consumed the media. I haven't consumed the media because I am not driven by an interest. Right? Sure, yeah. It doesn't no, that's, hold I, a, a native interest for me. No, I think it's 100% the issue. Yeah, right? but like, but let's just be really, really clear on one point here. There is a difference between I haven't consumed the media or I'm not super enthusiastic about this game just because it isn't a genre that, you know, makes the brain go brrr, right? Um, And this is something I actively do not want to play or isn't safe for me or is harmful. Oh, no, no, let's pause. Let's pause there. Our topic was not enthusiastic about, right? So I really want to make sure we're nailing down that there is a strong and solid difference between I'm sort of meh on this, but it's not going to harm me in any way. Nah, that's correct. And I actively dislike this, right? Sure. All right. So, so let's, let's talk about both of those, right? Yes. So obviously if a game's not safe, it's just not safe. You don't play games that are not safe for you to play, period, right? We've done whole things on safety. Just take those right off the table. Okay. If there's a thing you actively dislike, I'm going to say that all the other advice we're about to give is going to be super hard to pull off if you actively dislike something. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Because everything else we're talking about is going to be a level of compromise, right? Like, how do you find some enjoyment in running a game you're not enthusiastic about? And I'm going to also, we're going to add to how would you play in a game that you are not super enthusiastic about, right? But if you actively dislike it, the advice that we're going to give you will work even less. Yeah. And Which means it probably won't work at all. Probably won't work at all. And okay. and it's worth thinking about if it's worth it to you. Correct. To so, go through it. Um, or if it will potentially ruin the enjoyment of the other people at the table. Correct. And that, I think, is important when we get to um, player yes. side, right? Yes. Okay. So if you're not enthusiastic about a game and you're on the GM side of the screen... Right. What do you do here? Right. You you have friends. You love your friends. They're super excited about this game. Um, they want you to run it because they love the way you run games. But you're like, meh, like uh, this game's meh. What what do you do? Right. So I can give some tips. Maybe we would just ping pong back and forth. Sure. All right. So for me, the first thing is like you got to find something in this that you're going to like. So. You got to decide what you're not enthusiastic about, right? Are you not enthusiastic about the setting? Are you not enthusiastic about the core loop? That is the activity the players do as the primary focus of the game. Um, Or are you not um, excited about the mechanics? Now, if it's all three... And this game is then (laughs) then this game is also going to probably be harder to run. But hopefully what it is is it's one or two of those that you're not fond of, but the other one's okay. Like maybe you don't love the mechanics of this game, but this setting is something you're down for. 
Um, or this core loop is something you like to like have happen at the table, like it's heists or, you know, whatever. So if you can, if you can find a little gem, right, a little something to enjoy in the game, then you can find a little like you can you can carrot yourself through this. Right now, I will say the other thing is if you are service style GM and simply running a game for your players brings you enjoyment, that may be all the carrot you need. Yeah. Right. They're super excited. You're not enthousi- enthusiastic about it, but um, you're service oriented. So by running it for them um, and them being appreciative, that feeds you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That can still give you the GM high. Right. So my first piece of advice is to find something to like. Yeah. That was going to also be my first piece of advice. Then elaborate on it. Go ahead and elaborate. Well, I think you actually said it pretty well. But the other piece is to maybe jump on to the the second thing that you mentioned, which was your, your player's excitement, right? There's definitely a part of running a game that you are maybe not enthusiastic about. That The whole reason that you're even considering this is because your players are really excited about it. So there has to be something about... Um, doing this as an act of service that um, you want to do for your friends, right? Sure. And the the other thing that I want to point out about this is it doesn't mean that you can't negotiate some of it, right? So you could sit down with them and be like, I know you're really excited about this game. I'm not super excited about it, but I'm happy to run it for you. But could we also do XYZ or include this other thing or whatever it is that you might be able to add something into it that you are excited about. And that's going to depend vastly on your circumstances and which part of the game it is that's making you kind of meh about it. Um, or yeah, which like part for you're instance, not excited. For, in- yeah. for instance, your, um, your players want to run, a, your players want to play a Star Wars game. Um, you're not super hot into it because of, you know, I don't know, some part of the genre and you're like, hey, um, I would be much cooler if, if we could play like Old Republic. Right. Like, could yeah. we do Old Republic or or could we do, you know, um, could we do Coruscant? Like, right. I, I don't I, like I don't want to do another desert planet. Like, can we can we set this in Coruscant and do like a cool um, city like city thing. kind of yeah right. heck yeah right yeah so like you can still negotiate this and maybe get it to a place that it includes elements that everybody is more enthusiastic about or at least yeah. includes some things that you are excited about you might even be able to depending on um which part of the experience it is that's making your players really excited about something and and this is why you just have to have a conversation with them right if they're like we really want to play shadow run and you're like, I don't really want to run Shadowrun, but I don't have a problem with urban fantasy, right? If the thing that they're getting out of the game is not, I roll a pile of dice the size of my face, then you may be able to say to them, hey, can we run a Shadowrun setting game in this other system that I like a lot better? Or can, can we I like just take build this in Cortex? <laughs> can I take Palladium Fantasy and merge it with Ninjas and Super Spies and sure. then I will run you your Shadowrun game? Absolutely. Ryan, Ryan will appreciate <laughs> that reference. We actually did that as kids. We um, I disliked the Shadowrun system enough that we actually used the Palladium system, which was no less complicated. I wasn't going to make any comment about was, like 
my it current was, understanding. It was likely just... more work that we merged two Palladium <laughs> books together, but somehow it was better. And we actually played a campaign for a significant amount of time um, in the Shadowrun world, but just not Different. using the Shadowrun rules. Yes. So yeah, that's the thing, right? You may be able to negotiate um, which parts of a game someone that like your players are really excited about and if you're cool with those parts then maybe you can do something different with the parts that you are not as excited about right okay so i like those two points let me recap them really quick yes. the first one is find your enjoyment somewhere in either the system core loop the setting or um doing it for your players yep and then the piece you have tacked on is um you if you can, can you change slash alter slash add something that will then create an enjoyment yes. on one of those axes? Yes. Okay. I like all of those things. Okay. To ping pong back. Yep. Um, one of the things Michael asked was what about length? Yep. Um, so I would, right? This is my standard answer, but I would say four sessions yep. or one story. Right. Like like one will play a story. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Right. Because here's the kind of thing like you may start with like, I'm not interested in this game. But when you get it to the table and it starts to play, you might be interested. So I would set up something that within a couple sessions, you can get a beginning, middle and end on. Yeah. Right. And that it's that it does a good chunk like it's a it is a core loop like a full core loop yes right so maybe it's a full heist or it's a, a clearing of a dungeon or whatever and that it engages a reasonable amount of the system it can't engage all of it but like you get some combat some skill checks um maybe a chase something like that yeah. right so that you've actually experienced it and at the end of that you have an ending, right? Endings are, endings feel good. We, we as, we as people who have been brought up on stories, like things with endings. Yeah, especially so, Western stories. We should call that out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So we like things that have endings. And so if it has an ending and we choose to move on to something else, we can leave going, well, we played a story and it was good. There was a beginning, middle and end. And now we're off to do something else. Right. And if you like it, you can add a story. Yeah. Keep or going. add an arc, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe it's going to be a couple more stories. Um, you leave that option open. So my length is, I say four sessions because in my group, we play probably, probably between three and four hours clock time. And we probably, between chatting and all of the breaks and all of that, probably have about two and a half to three hours of solid play. Yeah. So for me, four sessions is about 12 hours. So gauge that, um, gauge that with your players about how many sessions that might, it might be somebody's like once a month weekend game. Like we can play that whole thing in one session. Um, but I like a full story. That's, yeah. that's my, my recommendation. Full story feels good. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you, but I think, again, this depends on the circumstances and it's perfectly acceptable to sit down and talk to folks and be like, hey, I know you're really interested in this, right? And then say, I don't know if I'm really interested in it. 
can we do it as even like a one shot first, right? You might say, I'm willing to run this for like four hours and then just see if we're all excited enough to keep going. Sure. Then so you, you can just, do your story. You could just compress it even smaller. So, sure. and I don't, I don't see that as an issue either. Now, if they're coming to you and they're saying, we really want to play a year long campaign, then trying to negotiate them to a, a one shot might be a little more challenging than saying, why don't we play like four times, finish a story and see how we feel. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, and also, I think the thing you have to balance in here is what is the um, cost of entry? Yeah. Right. So if we're playing like a um, $10 PDF. Sure. Like as a one shot. Sure. I'm probably OK with that. But if this game takes me $7,500 to get into. Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah. I, I don't know if I want to play Like, I don't know if I want to run a one shot. Like if I if I don't think I can run a number of sessions off of it. Probably then not going to buy the material. I probably don't want in. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and you know, I think that's important to note. Like um, the cost to enter yeah. has to kind of match, um, you know, running it. Now, if your players are like, look, we bought all the stuff and we want you to run it. Yeah. Here, you, um, can, you can borrow our stack of textbooks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. okay. But sure. also, and I think this gets to one of Michael's other points, which is investment is um, what can, how much do I have to invest yeah. um, into getting into this game, right? Um, a new game comes with a certain amount of uh, time that you have to spend as GM to learn the game. Yeah. Um, and often are required to learn it um, as well as players, if not better, right? Yep. Um, so if that game is three textbooks... And D and D's not three textbooks because one of them's a whole monster manual, and one of the other ones, and and actually the magic. other two are full of full of lookup <laughs> shit anyway. Yes, but but if the you know but if it takes a significant effort to learn a game, um, then you know I don't want to run a one shot of it. Yes, but if you show I me something like you. a PBTA yeah. game, sure, right? Nobody's sure about a PBTA game. Well, one, I can learn a PBTA game in a weekend. Yep, because. And that's not a flex or anything, but I've run a lot of PBTA games. They, while they are all different, you GM them in very similar ways. Yes. Um, and in fact, the thing that you have to hunt down is what is different. Yes. About this you PBTA actually have game. To just fish through for right? what do I need to know that's different? Yeah. Which, which once you find it, you're like, okay, Got I get it. it. This yeah. is the thing I'm doing differently. Yes. Right. And then you read, you know, your principles, moves and agenda and stuff. And you're like, okay, yes. And check, you understand check, the check. genre and you're good to go. Yes. Right. Um, so like if somebody was like, we would like to play this $15 PBTA game. I would very much be like, sure, cool. I'll run it for you as a one shot. Yeah. But if I need to buy the, and I don't remember what it currently retails at, but like the box set for Forbidden Lands. Right. Right. Like then like my length of game needs to be proportional to what I'm putting out. Yes. I need to feel like if I finish running it and I don't like it, then I'm like, nah, I gave it a fair shot. Yes. Yeah. I don't hold it ever against a, you know, game company. If I run your game and I didn't like it, that's on me. But I, I want to make sure that I've run and like I got enough run out of it. And again, if you can buy PDFs, you know, especially for this kind of thing, because they're low, they tend to be um, lower cost. That's fine for Forbidden Lands. Um, you can play it electronically, but there are like physical components of the game if you're playing it in person, like the map and the stickers and stuff like that. That like actually it's nicer to play um, with the full experience. But again, PDFs are a good way to kind of keep your cost down. Yeah. In this, especially in this kind of situation. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess the thing that we should maybe wrap up on investment is both the consideration of the investment, how much time and money will it take you to get into this game to run it? And then secondarily, how much time and money are you willing? Like, what's your threshold, right, for this game of how much you're willing to invest and the, and and how much play you would want to get out of it for that investment? That's the equation you have to think about, right? Yeah. And, and then I'll say this. I don't think that maybe this isn't an investment part. Maybe this, this is commitment. Sure. If you have said yes, yeah, that you're going to do this, right? Don't half-ass it, right? <laughs> if, 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 if you can't commit to running this for your friends as a gift, say no. Yeah. Right? Don't, don't half it. Like, if, if my players came to me and were like, we would like you to run this D&D module for us um, more than anything in the whole wide world, it would make us so happy. And I say yes. Yeah. I'm a fucking run some D&D. Yeah. Like which means you got to go know the D&D. Full out tropes, conventions, rules, the whole 9 yards. Like if I commit, we're doing this. Yeah. Right? Like um and that's not saying I would master it before I hit the table, but I would hit the table at the level of mastery that I have anytime I run a new game. Yes. Like commit to the game. So if you so backtracking through our advice. Yes. <laughs> if you can't find any enjoyment, can't add any enjoyment, um, don't like the length of time or don't like the investment, you're going to have trouble committing to this. Yeah, that really is it, right? Right. Can, and, and if, Can you actually commit to a game that checks the negative box on every single one of those items? Yes. And if you can't, Right. And it's OK if you can't. Um, I'll say this. Let me sidebar for a second. Sure. This is a hobby. Yes. Right. Hobbies are for enjoyment. Right. We, we, we do things because they give us spoons. We enjoy things, that kind of thing. Professionals do things that they don't like. They commit to things they don't like because they're getting paid money. Yes. Right. So if I was a professional DM and you wanted me to run you a D&D game, I'm going to fucking show up and run you a D&D game, whether I like anything or not about it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because because that you're, is you're paying me money. <laughs> well, it, and you're right. It, it's the professional mindset. Right. There's this book called The War of Art, not mm -hmm. The Art of War, The War of Art um, that talks about that, like professionals don't take off for bad days or don't take off when they're not feeling it. They do it. Yeah. Right. Um, so to get back to this, unless you're a professional GM and getting paid by this group of players, you are a hobby GM who is doing this for enjoyment. And if you can't check off enough boxes that we listed and you don't feel like you can commit, it's okay just to say no. Yeah. It's going to be a better experience if you don't run it. Yeah. Like they might be disappointed <laughs> in the short term, but Correct. you'll go play something else and the, and everybody will have more fun than if you run this game that people are really excited about badly and in a way that you are really unexcited about, right? It's yeah. it's like the person in the group project that everyone like brings their all and does an A plus job. And then there's like that one person who is like did it the night 
midnight the night before and kind of did an F job and threw together two sentences on the slide and everybody's really brought down by that moment. Don't don't be that person. So made worse by the fact that as a GM, you You have the largest piece of the work. Yeah. Right. And you're bringing everybody down with the majority slice of the work. Yes. Right. That's the like if you are a player out of five players and you are lukewarm to this game and you just kind of fade to the background and let the other four players kind of push to the foreground and like you guys play your sessions, you're only going to feel it a little. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you are the GM and you are like dead on arrival at the table. Yeah. Like if you is is not going to happen. If you can't give this game any of your energy. Right. There's not going to be any energy for the game to have, because yeah. in many ways, the GM, wow, well, wow, we've talked about this before, but it's probably been a little while, right? When you sit down at the table and you share the energy and everybody puts in what they've got, the person who kind of starts that is the person facilitating the game because you set the tone for that energy share at the table. So if Correct. the tone you set is dead fish at the table the game you're gonna get is dead fish at the table and it's really hard for a player to change that right yeah now good players will bump that up from dead fish at a table to lukewarm game yes right they will because they'll they'll take they'll take the very little the gm's putting out there they'll make something of it and make it better because that's what good players do yeah but it will be an uphill struggle the whole way yes and yeah. no one will have a great time. Correct. So if you think that that might be the outcome of this, it's probably better to say no. And it's okay, even if that means that you've gone on, you said yes before and you went off and did the research and you have to go back to people and say, look, I looked into this a bunch and I know you're really excited about it. And I'm really sorry. I don't think that I am the right person to run this for you because I don't think I can do the thing you're excited about justice and I don't want to ruin it for you. It is okay to realize that you might need to say no. (laughs) It is the, um, it is from the GM side, the reason I have not yet run cartel. Yeah. Because in order for me to run cartel in my current groups, not all of my players would play. Yeah. Right. Some of them would, some of them would opt out and not play. And I currently in my life value having my friends at the table more than running any one specific game or story because the truth of the matter is I can make something out of pretty much every game that I am interested in. Yeah. Right. Which is why a lot of times when we do game selection, it's the game I'm not even remotely thinking about that we wind up playing. And then we wind up having a good time because once I commit to a game, I'll commit to it. Um, You know, once I know I'm excited enough about a game, I'll commit to it. And then we're off and running. Um, So for me, um, I would rather at this point in my life have everyone at the table and not get to play a certain game than to... um, exclude people because I want to do a thing. Now, if I was really hell bent on cartel, 
I would just pick another night of the week. Yeah. Go get some people and go play it. And I might do that someday because I do really want to run that game. And I know that there's a certain subset of my players who would be into it, but I wouldn't do it to my main game night. Yeah. And just to be clear, that's a game that while I have offered to fill that out, I would be potentially a lukewarm player at that game. And I would be there to fill out your table. And I probably won't play that game when you do that. I I only need three players. Like I don't need a full table for that game. game, I only need a handful of players and I know who they are. Like I know who they are and they're, they're They're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. To be clear, as much as we've talked about cartel, I have played cartel. I I had a great time, but the experience differently. Yeah. I was going to say the experience that I had of cartel is not the experience of cartel that you are looking for. And I think that's key too, because we've been really clear about that and negotiated. Like I, I know what you're looking for from that game. I consider myself to be a pretty good player. I usually think I can sit down and play no matter what the genre is, but what you are looking for from that game is a really specific thing that I don't know if I could provide as a player, right? So I nope out of that because I want you to have that experience that you are looking for. And what we're talking about as a GM, if you can't commit, is the same thing. Don't commit to a game that you can't show up for. Which is a great segue because I want to, before we close this out, talk a little bit about from the other side of the screen when you are a player. Yeah. um, What about if you're not enthusiastic about a game? So here's the thing I'll say about that. Um, I am more and more convinced over time that, um, and again, a lot of this is Sneezek's fault for making me think about this Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I am more and more convinced over time that um, player commitment needs to be high, right? It is one of the reasons I have the four game check-in with my players and I will kill a game after quote four sessions. um, If commitment isn't high. I don't always need players to be committed right off the bat. Like they can be skeptical, like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to give it a try kind of thing. I need them to be optimistic, right? Yes. Um, but if you are um if you are a player and the GM shows up with a game that's like, hey, I want to really run this game for you guys, and you're like, man, I don't know. Um, go back to the things we said, right? Can you find something you like about this game? Can the game be um, altered in a way that's going to give you that enjoyment? Is the length something you could commit to? That kind of thing, right? And if you can't do those things, right, you should say that you can't. Yeah. Like, it is better for me, right, to in running the my my someday cartel game it is better for me for you to tell me i don't think i could commit to this game the way you want to play it than for you to be like you know i'm your forever friend i'll play any game you want to play even if i don't like it yeah right and then not really like you know not really not willing to put a guy in a wood chipper, right? Like, yeah, that's, which I'm probably not right. Like when I right. played cartel, I played like the the innocent wife who literally had no idea what was going on, but they were trying to la esposa, 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 la esposa. And, and, yeah. and she was getting framed for everything. But I have also played. I know. And spouse. that it's a really fun role. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it also means that I had self-selected out of things like putting a guy in a wood chipper. <laughs> Correct. Um. <laughs> I'm not saying my my game requires putting people in a wood chipper, but like 
if I'm going to go play some narco fiction, like you're not the good guy. Shit's going to go wrong. Right. Like, not even wrong. You are not the good guys. Right. Which right? also self-selects some of your standard players out of that game because. Oh, um, acts out. Yeah. Bob's out. Right. right? People like, I, like, who really have a need 100%. to play the good guys. Right. Which is yes. fine. Right. Just to be clear, that's a specific thing that we fulfill by playing role playing games in fantasy imagination worlds, imaginary imagination Correct. worlds anyway, but is, is like that kind of fulfillment. And that is okay. But it's one of those situations in which you can just call it out and say, this kind of game isn't for me because I like playing the good guys or yeah. I'm okay with like morally neutral, but I'm not great with actually bad guys. Right. Correct. So me playing cartel, I was, I picked that role because I was like, I'm okay with morally neutral. Yeah, the but, only problem is there's only one of that role in the game. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, right? like there's literally only one. And I picked that one. And it meant that yeah. everybody else was playing bad guys, right? And that's just what it is. Um, so uh, I can't remember where I was going with this. That's okay. Here. So <laughs> let me let me bring it all back around. Um, the crux of what we've been talking about today is good games come from commitment right commitment of the gm to the game commitment of the players to play their characters and to play the game and when we are like the alchemy that we are always striving for in any game is to find the sweet spot where everybody is excited enough and has energy to commit yeah and specifically to michael's question what do you do when the game the system the core loop or setting um you are not enthusiastic about, which means that there is a barrier to your commitment. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so what we've been talking about is like, can you mentally reposition yourself and reframe this to be more committed? Yeah. Can you alter it to be more committed? Could you be committed, but for a shorter period of time? Yeah. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's the crux of what we've been at today is can we get to that level of commitment by how we set the game up? Yeah. Right. And if we could do that as a player or GM, then we can show up to the table with our commitment. And that is, um, for lack of a better term, where the fucking magic happens. Right. <laughs> if, if everybody shows up to the table committed for whatever reason, and it can be different reasons, they all show up to the table committed and you start playing that game. Some shit's going to happen. Magic shit is going to happen in play. Shit you will not even you will not even expect to happen is just going to happen in play because everybody's committed. But if that commitment is disrupted for one or more players, worse if it's the GM, if you're playing a traditional style game, then maybe maybe no magic. Yeah. Maybe just be okay. Yeah. Or uh, that's at best. At best, right? okay. Yeah. Right. At worst, it's going to be blah. Yeah. Okay. That's the crux of it, right? That's the crux of what we're talking about here is um, finding your motivation. Frame things to bring, frame things so that you can be motivated about it, so that you can commit to it. Yeah, which includes, I'm going to add one thing onto that and then we can wrap, which includes strong communication with the other players in your group Always. so that you all understand exactly what you're going for, right? I'm going to say strong communication and candid, Yeah. right? Be able to... Be able to say, um, I can't commit yeah. or I really dislike this. You guys should play this one without me. Right. 
Or if that's possible. Here are the barriers to me being able to commit even, right? Yep. What can we yep. do about them? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Great question. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. All right. In order for us to get out of here, um, you got to tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network, and then we're going to skedaddles. Yes, indeed. So on Misdirected Mark Plays, you can hear Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry committing to their characters in Children of the Shroud um, and also talk about the stuff that they're doing in that campaign. So instead of just hearing them talk about game theory and game mastering, you'll also hear them dis, uh, do at the table and then discuss it. It's a full Put circle. Your money, putting our <laughs> money where our mouths yeah, you are. are and we're coming up on the, the the climactic um episodes of that game so now is a great time to catch up with that actual play just saying holy cow the last cliffhanger why you gotta be like that <laughs> And Phil isn't even giving me any spoilers anymore. Aim to please. He's like, he's like, nope, not telling you anything. And I'm like, ah. Anyway, full circle on their exploratory play series, MM plays. Go check it out. Children of the Shroud, really cool. Huzzah. Huzzah. Hey, Senda, tell me the place on the internet because there is one place, one stop shopping, if you like, the 7 Eleven of ways to <laughs> contact us. So what is that place? It is misdirectedmark.com slash panda, where you can find links to our everything, all of our stuff, and all the ways to contact us. So uh, you can do cool things with that, like... Uh, like get a rolly hot dog and a Slurpee? Wait, <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. Is it blue raspberry? It could be. I actually like a Coke Slurpee the best. Sure. That's my favorite. Sure. But like Michael, you could leave us a question, a topic, something for us to ponder about, muse upon, so to speak. Something where we can apply our decades of GMing, playing, game design and podcasting to provide some insight or at least entertain you. Like if it doesn't tell you anything new, at least hopefully we're entertaining. Um or, you know, at the very, I don't know, not least, but hopefully as you're listening, you're just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, good mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. No, nope, I had the same idea. Mm -hmm. Check, check, check. Right. Yep. Hopefully we've at least achieved that. Yes. If, if we didn't tell you anything new. Um, anyway, send us one of those things. We want to help out. The reason we want to help is we want you to have more fun when you play games, because the more fun you have when playing games, the longer you're going to stay in this hobby and the more benefits you'll get from being in this hobby. I've been here a long, long time and still reaping the benefits of this hobby. Honestly, so, I'm pretty sure that my new job is like entirely based on skills I learned from gaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Anyway, um, if you like what we do here elsewhere in the Mr. Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. You get access to the Slack Room for Life. You can join us for Friday lunches if you like a little chaos and some chit chat. Oh, man. Uh, you can get access to some of our stuff like the Children of the Shroud material or some of the stuff that uh, we are designing. Um, so you can check that stuff out as well. Um, yeah, that's the stuff you get. If you're supporting our Patreon campaign, thank you so very much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics hot, and the internet flowing. Um, I guess site up is probably the better one. You're not actually supporting the internet, but whatever. You get the point. Um, I and mean, it, if it is an elemental, so. Sure. And if you're <laughs> unable to support the internet, the internet, the Patreon, <laughs> you're unable to support the Patreon, um, 
you can uh, do a thing. Slenda's going to tell you about it. Doesn't cost you a thing. And uh, we would greatly appreciate it. What's that thing? Uh, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every review we get really helps with the little algorithms. And you can also just tell a friend, which is a really direct way of just pointing people at us and uh, pretty successful in our experience because you know who would be interested in listening to two queer pandas ramble about games. So, you know, point them at us. Send them on over. Uh, also, sorry for completely messing up your your patter there about the internet no, being it's fine. an elemental. We could have... We could have just once recorded this like eight years ago and just pasted it to the end of every episode. But no. But we don't. But no. We stay. We're still here with you. Yeah. Other podcasts, other podcasts <laughs> check out once they finish the main topic and are just like, uh, let editing take care of it. Not us. No. We're still here with you right to the last question yeah. of the show. This is we're bespoke ending every you time. You can find other podcasts that aren't mailing in the ending. We're we're here. We're still here with you. We're concerned. Are you still driving safely? <laughs> Did you get to work? Did you finish your walk? Did you drink enough water today? Did you drink enough water today? You probably haven't. Should Go drink some probably water. Probably drink some water. I say that from the bottom of my heart. Go drink some water. All right. Anyway, send up. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. We can't find a game that we probably wouldn't enjoy playing together because we just enjoy playing together. But anyway, yes. if there was one, what do you think that game would be? Well, yeah. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, 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 Okay, you sound okay. All right. Bloop. Howdy, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Welcome. We we live. <laughs> we live, but we're going to record this one kind of quick because we are both still suffering some status conditions. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. We're going. Bloop. Bloop. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got.